the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a great show for you tonight. Now, you might think we're going to talk about the Supreme Court and its two weeks of blockbuster rulings, but actually we're going to uh, lighten it up a bit for the first half and then have a heavy but sort of related topic for the second half. I think you've probably heard enough about the Supreme Court over the last couple of days to last you until the next term, which if it's going to shape up the way it looks like it's going to be, is going to be just as exciting. So we are going to be talking today about some of the new laws that uh, have been coming to different jurisdictions, um, San Diego included, no doubt, in the future, but something that arrives just in time for summer. And, you know, as lawyers, Larry and I always look and see what kind of cases we can talk about that might be coming to a jurisdiction near you, as we say. And I happen to find something really interesting out of Florida. Now, why do I choose Florida? Not just because it's a red state and we're a blue state, but because apparently loud music is a bipartisan issue. And in Florida, they passed, they didn't call it a noise pollution ordinance, but that's basically what it is. It's a noise pollution ordinance framed as a loud volume ordinance. And it basically says that under certain circumstances, if you're within 25 feet anywhere, or if you are near uh, a church, a school, or an educational institution, you cannot play your volume loudly, non-essential businesses. So this is the kind of thing that, you know, we always worry just in time for summer vacation that we might get some kind of a, a loud, uh, and I'm not, I'm intentionally not saying loud music, Larry, because it doesn't just apply to music, but it's something that basically says you cannot play anything loudly if you are within a certain amount of feet of these these certain buildings. And I don't know, I don't know if you grew up with something like this in your area, but we've never had anything on the books where I've lived that says if you're in a car, uh, your music cannot be heard from X amount of a distance away. What do you think? Yeah, the fine there in Florida is going to be $114, which is a lot of money. I mean, that's like a full tank of gas these days, I guess. And uh, I don't know if we've had that. We have, I think, nuisance statutes. If people are going too long on their parties in a neighborhood, you can call the police and they will probably show up at the party and say, you got to tone it down. But a statute just like this, I haven't heard of. 
And uh, I think it applies not only to loud music, but to even loud exhaust systems. And uh, I think the vehicles that come new from a factory don't have that problem, but a lot of people like to really fix up their cars to make them look really cool. And part of that, I think, is they add these exhaust systems that make it really loud and kind of threatening, I guess. I don't know. It's just, I've heard the cars, it's hard to describe, but this law applies to that as well as the loud music. Well, let me tell you what's interesting about this law. Uh, You bring up a very good point. All of our jurisdictions have lots of laws on the books that can, uh, I I, I hesitate to use the word criminalize because you're right, it's almost just a fine, it's almost an infraction. But there are many types of municipal code violations that cover nuisances, that cover things like loud parties, loud music. But listen to the way this one is phrased, Larry, that I found very interesting. It says audio coming from a vehicle that can be heard from a distance of 25 feet or more can result in a traffic infraction. And then the second part of that, as I was explaining, is it says sound louder than necessary near a church, hospital, or school will be considered punishable as a non-moving violation. So, I mean, as a practical matter, if this law is obeyed, which is probably a big if going into the summer months, it will be a peaceful benefit to live near one of those locations, <laughs> I guess, a church, a hospital, or a school. Uh, but, you know, and I guess the, the neighborhood ice cream truck is, uh, is, is, I don't know whether that would be included in this ordinance or not. But, you know, you talk about beach city boulevards and uh, the distance of 25 feet, um, noise not being any louder than necessary. How is a law like this, especially in Florida in the summer, how is this ever going to be enforced? It's going to be really difficult, and it just made me think. We used to live, uh, my family and I, in a neighborhood where people would go down this big old mountain, I guess you'd say. It's a pretty busy road, and you'd come around a bin. You wouldn't see this until you actually made it around the bin, and these policemen would be there with radar guns. And even though people weren't going that fast, at least in my opinion, they would be pulled over. And so the question is, are they going to have some sort of a decibel meter in one hand and a radar gun in the other to get them a double ticket? I don't know. Well, I guess you'll need to come up with a device that measures both. But yeah. the interesting thing about this, um, you know, this, this particular law is it doesn't say anything about decibels. It says uh, audio coming from a vehicle. It doesn't even say it needs to be music. That can be heard from a distance of 25 feet or more. So you could, I mean, you could be broadcasting today with Dr. Wendy. You could be playing anything and it can't be heard from 25 feet or more for it to be resulting in an infraction. The louder than necessary provision that is going to apply if you're near a church, hospital, or school, that will be punishable as a non-moving violation. I mean, the genesis of this new regulation basically says, you know, watch your volume. Summer fun in the sun has to be softer. Uh, But you bring up something interesting with the loud mufflers. You didn't quite say it the same way, but let's just say cars that are loud. Uh, How would that ever not be heard from 25 feet away? I mean, gosh, you know, I feel like we could hear those from several blocks away. Wouldn't that be an automatic infraction under a law like this? I think so. It's kind of really arbitrary in my mind. It should be 
rated as a decibel level, I would think, because mm. this is going to lead to a lot of um, people going to fight these uh, tickets. I think they're they're considered non-moving tickets. I don't know if I described that. It's it's a non-moving violation, but yet. Have you have you ever experienced this, Wendy? Uh, you'll be in a car at a stoplight, and a car behind you or to the side of you will come up, and they have speakers so loud it literally shakes your car. Shakes and, your car, right? And, and to me, it, that's kind of threatening. It's a weird kind of almost like are these guys are they going to try to you know take my car or something? It's kind of a threatening sound to me. And how about this? Uh, they also have uh, problems with some of these. Um, Types of music where they they really say you know, there's vulgarity in it. They're talking about yeah. uh, swear words, our sexual uh, words, and so forth, and that's being blasted out. So I can really kind of sympathize with the people that wanted that law uh, in place for sure. Larry, I know you have something else you want to talk about, but I just want to say I can't I can't help but comment on the irony. Um, you you play in a rock band, uh, so do I. <laughs> And uh, however, however, we certainly do not use any bad words or even anything close to the line, neither of us. Um, but I know as interesting as this topic is, and I hope we get to come back to it when the first ticket is, is cited, is written. Uh, you've got something else on your heart and mind this evening, do you not? Right. Yeah, I'm calling this commentary. Elites reveal their number one enemy. And that number one enemy that's been revealed, none other than Christians. Two shocking and unprecedented megatrends are unfolding simultaneously in the United States of America right now. The first megatrend, there's an explosion, openly predatory targeting of America's children by legions of gender activists obsessed with seducing, grooming, and recruiting kids into the transgender world of puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, surgical amputation of healthy body parts, and through the roof, unfortunately, suicide rates. This celebration of transgenderism is being praised, promoted, and funded by the ruling class at the highest levels from the White House on down, while all who sound the alarm are demonized and canceled. For example, this really got me when this started a couple years ago, these drag queen story hours where they get these little kids in public libraries across the country, sit them down, and they have a I guess they call them drag queens. A lot of them are dressed like demons. I mean, you could pull up these pictures for yourself, folks, if you want to, to, to verify this. But, you know, when I send my kid to school, and this goes for everybody, I think, you're not, you want to send them there for education, right? That's not why we send people to school to be uh, educated with this. But here, that's one megatrend. The second megatrend is... They're going against the Christians. The very same political, financial, cultural, and sexual revolutionaries responsible for all this chaos have finally dared to come out and publicly identify who exactly they consider to be the biggest enemy. And that would be, that's right, you guessed it, according to them, Bible-believing, Judeo-Christian morals-affirming, Ten Commandments and Sermon on the Mount-loving Christians, believers who are the real enemy. And they give all kinds of names. But the one that's most prominent, I mean, they call us white supremacists, conservative fascists, domestic terrorists, and uh, on and on. But you can prove this. If you go to some of the headlines, I'll just read them very briefly because we're short on time. Uh, Christian uh, 
with the Buffalo Massacre, white Christian nationalism strikes again. That was in the Washington Post. How about this one? The religious rights hostility to science is crippling our coronavirus response. That's that's in the New York Times. On and on and on. You can pull these up for yourself if you do the research. But I think they've come out in the open. We are the enemy because we believe in a higher law than the law of man. Well, Larry, um, we're going to be talking to a very prominent Christian on the other side of the break. Uh, We are going to be talking with Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was recently in the news worldwide. And I hope our listeners um, are not going to miss his incredible harrowing story of captivity and deliverance and the message that he has for all of us. So stick with us. Don't touch that dial. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a phenomenal guest for you here on the second half. Larry, who do we have with us? Uh, Yes, Wendy. Andrew and Noreen Brunson were involved in starting Christian churches in Turkey for 23 years until being falsely accused of terrorism by the Turkish government in October of 2016. Andrew was held for two years in Turkish prisons, but due to a worldwide prayer movement and significant political pressure from the U.S. government, he was finally sentenced and then dramatically released in October of 2018, and he's here to tell us a little bit about that story and how this same type of persecution may be coming to the United States if current cultural and political trends continue. Welcome to the program, Andrew. Thank you. Good to be with you. Andrew, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but we just can't help asking you, uh, what was it like being in a Turkish prison, and how in the world did you keep the faith and manage to maintain your sanity and the hope uh, that things were going to work out for the best, which, thank God, they did? Well, to be honest, a lot of times I I gave up hope, (laughs) and uh, it was much more difficult than I expected. I uh, broke emotionally, physically, mentally, in every way, and went into spiritual crisis in the first year, and then uh, in the second year, God began to rebuild me. And out of that weakness, he rebuilt me, and I came out stronger than I went in. So this is actually one of the the, uh, reasons that I'm concerned about the states. Uh, I came back after 25 years overseas. I didn't really think about the states before, but I came back to a very changed country. And my concern is that because I have gone through persecution and I know uh, how dangerous it is that Uh, I think there's a real risk up ahead for many believers because I think many people in the United States are not ready uh, for pressure. And I don't I'm not saying we're going to have North Korea or China level pressure, but the pressure we get, which I think will be social and financial, especially will be enough to, I think, knock a lot of people out if they're not ready. 
Right. Pastor Brunson, I've read that you believe there are two wedge issues that will drive persecution of Christians in the United States. What are those wedge issues? Well, there are two general areas. One of them is the exclusivity of Jesus. You know, that that, uh, the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to God. And this makes a lot of people uncomfortable because basically it's not very inclusive, uh, although it's open to everybody. And the second is that Jesus requires obedience from faithful followers in a number of areas that are very hotly contested. Uh, You have gender identity, sexual morality, biblical justice, uh, family, uh, life issues. And God actually has opinions on these matters. He has standards he expects us to hold if we are his followers. And many people are going to see these as hate issues, uh, even though they're not. What I often tell people is that Jesus was the uh, most loving man in history, uh, and yet he was called demonic, and people said he was evil, and eventually uh, a mob killed him. And uh, so the same things they said about him, they will say about us if we are holding to uh, his standards. One of the questions I wanted to ask you has something to do with uh, what you talk about in your book, God's Hostage. You talk about how you survived a shooting incident. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, most uh, cities in Turkey do not have a church, and we had uh, started a church in one of those, and uh, someone there was unhappy. So they came to the other city we were working with, in, and uh, it was a gunman, and he came to attack our church. So I was outside the church uh, talking with one of our uh, church members, and this guy pulls out a gun and shoots, and then he... Uh, pulled out a shotgun, <laughs> and I thought, well, he can't miss with a shotgun. So I finally got moving. I had been frozen and just put my arms around him and held him, tried to hold on to him until the police arrived. Uh, so that's uh, there were often pressures, uh, often threats in Turkey, uh, not just for us, but for others who were involved in, per- uh, in public ministry. Uh, but that I wasn't prepared for prison. That's where... You know, I I had different expectations. One of the reasons I think of uh, believers here having uh, that this is dangerous for them. I I don't know that a lot of people here will go to prison for their faith. I hope not. Uh, But uh, we need to prepare our hearts. And uh, there are dangers, especially, for example, what do you do when you're afraid? Because when there's a threat, it's very natural to want to run away and escape it. And so we need to prepare ourselves ahead of time so that when we are afraid, we don't run, but we end up, we stand. Another issue is how do we deal with the offended heart uh, when God disappoints us? And maybe some of your listeners will, you know, recoil at that, but this is what took me into spiritual crisis with God that first year. I expected to be strong and full of joy and have a sense of presence, and I didn't. And so I, you know, I thought, where are you, God? I felt abandoned. And he didn't abandon me, but it felt that way. So we need to prepare ourselves so that when we do have disappointments, when, you know, we are going into a time when our, our country is going to experience a lot of judgments. We as believers are not under judgment, but we're, we're going to go through that with a lot of people who are, and we will go through hardships. So it's a matter of preparing ourselves so that we remain faithful 
I, I do have a, a video series that just in the last couple of weeks came out that I'd like to, I'm not promoting it. It's, it's not for sale. It's free. Uh, but just it kind of goes through. And I talked about breaking in prison. I think one of the reasons God allowed me to break so thoroughly and so repeatedly was that in that weakness I had to, and I was on my own. Uh, I was always with Muslim prisoners. I didn't have the only Christian that I had any contact with for two years was my wife when she was allowed to visit. And in that isolation and uh, weakness, I had to uh, learn to do certain things that would strengthen me so that I could learn to stand again and remain standing under pressure. And I think a lot of those things are transferable. So this video series, I go through what are some of the dangers and how can we prepare our hearts to, to face those? That's great. How do you get access to those videos? Um, well, one of the sites it's on is frc.org slash prepare to stand. So prepare to stand is the name of the series. Uh, frc.org is one of the places. frc.org slash prepare to stand. Okay, great. Uh, you have this great picture that I was able to pull up. Um, that shows you praying for President Trump, probably in the Oval Office. That's such a beautiful picture. So how did they get you out eventually? What are the details? Was it the State Department? Was it President Trump? Was it other agencies? I know prayer definitely had a lot to do with it. Well, there was a huge prayer movement. There hasn't been a prayer movement like this focused on one person and living memory. So clearly God was involved. And there were many people involved at many levels, uh, ultimately, it was the president. President Trump was involved uh, in an unprecedented way uh, over a long period of time. Eventually, he imposed sanctions on Turkey, which has not been done to a NATO ally before. And uh, under that pressure, eventually, they let me go. First, they convicted me. I'm a convicted terrorist and sentenced me and then released me very quickly and said, you can leave the country while you appeal. And so within one day, there's that conviction, I'm guilty, I'm sentenced. Within a, a day later, I'm at the White House. <laughs> so it was a real oh. of events. And praying, Andrew. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, I wanna, we want to hear every word. So praying for him, my wife had had a dream earlier where she's praying for the president and keeps being trying to pray for him and was thwarted constantly. And she woke up from that thinking, I really need to pray for him. And uh, out of Isaiah 11, the spirit of God. And so when we were coming back to the States, uh, we said, if we have an opportunity to pray, we're going to look for that opportunity. And we did. And for us, it was a very natural thing to do because we believed that God was in it. You know, one of the I know we're, we're short on time, but I just wanted to ask you about the how it felt the when you finally found out that you were going to be released, how that went about just quickly. I everybody wants to know. Well, I didn't know. And I, that's one of the hardships. I spent two years in prison, but I didn't know it was going to be two years. I would have counted the days down. But until the actual hour that I was released, I did not know. And they wanted three life sentences for me. So oh. that was the uncertainty I was living with. But I was obvious. I was stunned, actually. Can this really be true? And uh, just uh, uh, going back to the States, I uh, since 4th of July is coming up, you know, we, we came down from an Air Force plane that the president sent to get us. And there was the ambassador to uh, the American ambassador to Germany waiting for us at the bottom of the stairs. And he handed me an American flag. 
And I just took that flag and I put my face in and I said, I love my country. And I do. And uh, uh, to come back to such terrible changes that have taken place, uh, what can I say? We may people prepare themselves so that we can stand in difficult times and uh, carry out all the assignments that God has for us. Right. Pastor President, do do you have a website before we, we go? Do you have a website? I do, but we don't have a lot of information on it. We're still involved in, in the Muslim world. And okay. uh, for the states, what I have is a sense of assignment to prepare people. So wavestarters.org. And there's a story behind that, why it's wavestarters. But we want to start waves of the kingdom. Well, I think that your story about putting your face and kissing the American flag is a perfect way to uh, be kicking off our July 4th weekend. So thank you so much for blessing the show by coming and sharing a little bit of your testimony with us. Thank you, Pastor. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We want to invite you back with us next Saturday. But more than that, we want to wish you a wonderful 4th of July. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.